As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. I am Jeff Reuter, and uh, even though deadline day is ongoing as we record this, Leeds United had the foresight to, to give us a, something that we can talk about ahead of time, a transfer that was worthy of truly diving in on two sides of the ocean to figure out and just parse through how much this makes sense for the club. And so I am joined here by Phil Hay, uh, our expert on Leeds United, and uh, we're talking Weston McKenney, yet another U.S. international who is heading over to join Jesse Marsh's major Leeds soccer project. Phil, how's everything on your side? I'm great, thank you. I'm great. Thank you for having me on. And apologies to people for my accent. I haven't brought a translator with me. Um, <laughs> but if, you, if you're struggling, watch Train Spotting, and by the end of that, you'll think I've got the Queen's English. <laughs> I grew up watching Craig Ferguson's late night talk show, so actually I will be able to serve <laughs> something right. of a surrogate you're here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so talk to me first about how this move came about. Uh, you know, I think that you and I have each written off of this move already over on The Athletic. Go ahead and, and you can get both the backstory of how this came together as well as some analysis of how he'll fit. We'll obviously be touching on topics from each article in this podcast. But how did this move uh, come together. It seemed a little bit of a surprise that Leeds would be looking for a midfielder who could actually yeah. not just be a depth piece, but truly compete for starting minutes down the stretch. It's it's both indicative of the way Leeds act, but also, I think, um, indicative of a bit of a shift in their approach to transfers and also particularly the, the January transfer window. The, the line that has always come out of Leeds going back two or three, four years, really to the start of Andrea Radrazani's time as chairman of the club, mm-hmm was that January was poor time for business, wasn't a time when they wanted to do much business. Ideally, when it came to recruitment, they would do what they felt they needed to do in the summer. And January would be a time where if there was an urgency or a desperation or, or, or I guess, a specific target that came up who they'd been mm. looking at for a while and wanted to do, then then they would. But, you know, the, the running joke in Leeds, and this actually goes back, you know, best part of a decade, was that it's transfer deadline day or, as we call it in Leeds, Tuesday. You know, because nothing <laughs> ever happened, um, and this window has been has been very different. But at the start of it, the priorities for Leeds were a left back or at least a left sided defender, somebody who could cover left back, and and also a forward. And they ticked those two boxes with uh, Max Fuber from RB Salzburg, um, 
left-sided centre-back, really, but had been playing right. at left-back for Salzburg. Jorginho Rutter um, from, from Hoffenheim. Rutter, very much a, a number nine, but can play out wide as a kind of wide forward as opposed to a winger, you know. Um, and that for Leeds was their two boxes ticked, really. But there was always this lingering possibility that they might do a central midfielder. And actually, if we can come on to this, but if you look at the squad, it does make sense. Um, not only to, to sign a centre mid, but to sign one with McKenney's calibre and pedigree, somebody who can make an immediate impact on the team. And they did look at Azadine Unahi, who's gone from Angers in France to Marseille. Um, and while he's while that move is costing Marseille around about 8 million euros, so I think somewhere in the region of of $8 million, $10 million. Yeah. The price being quoted to Leeds and Napoli was much higher, twice as much. Um, and Leeds didn't think it was good value. They they left it alone. And then about two weeks ago, McKenney got wind of the fact that, that Leeds had an eye on him. Um, as it happened, the director of football at Leeds, Victor Orter, had first looked at him when he was at Schalke. Um, and I thought mm. about making a bid for him in 2020, but he'd gone to Juventus and, you know, that, that shelved it for the, the time being. But it was really last week, the start of last week, where inquiry was made receptive response from Juventus um, which put in, in you know put in motion the chain of events of negotiating what exactly the transfer was going to look like you know what the structure of it was going to look like um, and key to it was the fact that McKenney was interested you know he was going from a Champions League club but he was keen and he fancied it at Leeds and you know from speaking to people and asking about the deal there were quite clearly enough voices at Leeds um, for him to speak to and to be convinced by that that it was a good move for him. Um, so last night it was confirmed um, loan deal with an option to sign him permanently, and I think there's a very strong chance that that option will get activated. There are some uh, pretty obvious connective tissues here between uh, Weston McKenney and then his new locker room, which he's jumping into. But I think just more broadly, we're, we're to a point now where uh, Jesse Marsh is not going to be seen as Bob Bradley 2.0 in terms of his impact on a Premier League club. Um, now that he's actually had the luxury of transfer windows, something Bob Bradley never had at Swansea, have you seen a, a marked difference in how Marsh hopes the club operates in the transfer market or tries to work with the club compared to what Bielso was doing? Have you, have you started to get a sense of how how that dynamic with Victor Orta has changed with Jesse Marsh? Well, without a doubt, I think Marsh is easier to recruit for than Bielsa. Mm. Um, without a doubt, too, though, there has been more money spent um, in in this period on Marsh than there was on average um, for Bielsa. It wasn't that they didn't sign Bielsa, and you have to remember that two of Bielsa's seasons were in the championship where um, you know transfer True. expenditure was going to be, to be lower. Um, you cannot discount the fact that last summer they sold Rafinha to Barcelona, Calvin Phillips to Manchester City for around about £90 million. So losing two of the best players in the squad in return for a huge amount of cash coming in. But they have committed all of that money to players. They did that last summer. In this window, if you factor in McKinney, McKinney's transfer fee would fall in the next window, you know, in the summer, if they activate it for, for around about yeah. $35 million. But um, the, this window has effectively been, you know, in... in UK pounds, £70 million investment. You know, it's a lot of money for a club like Leeds. And I think it, it really puts them in a position now where, you know, they, they've expected better results of Marsh anyway. The results have not been great this season. Leeds have really struggled to get going. I think it puts them in a position now where they can expect more again. You know, and I think they can adequately say, look, you have been supported in the transfer market. A lot of the signings who've come up who've come in. I mean, all of them obviously go through Marsh in the end and, and are approved by him. You know, there are discussions about every single player. Um, but as much as Marsh will say from time to time, you know, these are not my signings, they're the club's signings. It's very hard to look at Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, McKenney, you know, Christensen, yeah. Buber, players who've come from Salzburg that he's worked with before 
and not think that you know he's going back to players he knows or players who will fit into his system. So without any question, he has been backed on that front. He's also been backed by the club in the sense that they've resisted the dissent around him and they've resisted pressure to, to change, you know, pressure to, to sack him. But as it stands now, I think the argument that they don't have the resources they need or they don't have a good enough squad to stay up or to be better placed in the league, I think that will, will wear more and more thin um, if they can't get results. But on the flip side, Marsh has been talking recently about his sense that momentum is building despite the absence of results, that he thinks the performances are improving. He looks at a lot of the data and the metrics and he thinks they're, they're pointing in a lot of res- respects in the right direction. So I think he will be saying to himself that, you know, with McKinney on board, with um, Ruter up front, with, with Vuber, who looks like a really confident defender, that there should be the, the potential now to turn the corner and to turn it quite quickly. You know, I think that there is also something to be said about that that connection. We already touched on it with Jesse Marsh, obviously the common nationality, that sort of experience that he has with Tyler Adams in the engine room of the United States men's national team. Um, there was that fantastic photo of Adams and McKenney, and there were children that Tyler Adams had tweeted out. Um, you know, well, just Adams, kind of uh, Adams was at Ellen Road last night to welcome him. He surprised him. Yeah, McKenney right. didn't know he was going to be there, and in the end, he did the interview Adams for the club's um, official TV station, LUTV. Um, and I was told that, you know, that there'd been obviously conversations between Adams and McKinney and that Adams had been pretty influential in because there'd been other clubs who'd been interested in McKinney. And yeah. from what I'm told, he'd never really been attracted to the, the offers that had come in or the suggestions that had come in from, you know, non-Champions League or non-European um, competition clubs uh, mm-hmm. in this division. But Leeds seemed to be different. And, you know, the, there was obviously Marsh who, who spoke to him, Adams as well. Um, I think, again, from, from what I understand, there was a, a good kind of explanation of what the future was likely to look like under 49ers Enterprises, you know, the, the investment arm of San Francisco 49ers who expect to buy the club and, and to own it outright, um, or certainly in a majority sense, in the not-so-distant future. You know, what will the future look like? What is their vision? What do they plan to do? And as a complete package, it certainly seemed to sell itself to McKenney, who was interesting when we chatted to him last night because, you know, he's going from a big club in Juventus and people will probably have seen that Juventus are in a lot of trouble at the moment. And for those who haven't followed it, they've had an investigation into financial irregularities. They've had a 15-point deduction in Serie A. They're in a, in a bad way. But they are still the powerhouse in, in Italy and you would assume that they will recover and, and get back to that level. But, you know, McKenney was saying to us that he felt that personality can outgoing personality would be more accepted in the Premier League and also at Leeds and he also said that tactically there were times at, at Juventus where he felt like he was on a string as he put it you know it was so disciplined and it was so um it was so strict in the way that, that they set up that they didn't like him doing his 60 yard runs and his as he put it his kind of frantic hectic um you know approach to, to football he thinks this will be a really good fit for him and I just got the sense from him last night that it wasn't as if he'd been in two minds about this. I think he really, really wanted to come. And I think that there's something interesting. He left Schalke for Juventus just before they started their tailspin to get to the, the second Bundesliga as well. So he doesn't necessarily have that experience, but he has seen a club that's probably been in a worse way mm-hmm. than Leeds has. Um, Leeds, obviously, people in the club, outside the club, the fan base, what have you, really bought into the Bielsa revolution, of course. Um, there's now this like American revolution, no pun intended, that's really been um, you know gaining even more and more and more uh, merit to it and weight. Is there still that sort of confidence in the direction of that Americanism? Because I, I, there are a lot of clubs, a lot of fan bases who they would see American ownership, American manager, more American players and say, oh, boy, here we go. Marketing over results. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you probably have to be careful in assuming that this is a deliberate strategy in terms of mm. Americanization. Um, Marsh, for example, was not the, the choice of 49ers Enterprises, even though it would be very easy to put the, that connection together. It was the choice of Victor Alter, who, director of football at Leeds, um, who was appointed originally by Radrazani, the, the current chairman, and had been in touch with Marsh for about two years before Bielsa was sacked and Marsh replaced him. And now, that, that will sound strange, but the situation with Bielsa was that he worked on 12-month contracts year to year. So you were never quite certain if at the end of one particular season, um, you were going to have to replace him there and then if he decided not to extend. So Leeds, I guess, is a, a means of due diligence and 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 common sense, had to maintain some form of list of options of, of coaches that they could go to if they suddenly needed to find a, a replacement. And Marsh was the one who ought to singled out. Marsh was the one who, by analysing the data and the way he played, particularly at Salzburg, that he decided that they, he, he really, really wanted. He thought the club should go for. And... You know, it, it's almost the same really with the, the players who have come in. I don't get the sense at all that the 49ers are pushing the idea that they should be going after Aronson or they should be going after Adams or they should be going after McKinney because they are US nationals and because, for example, they might be very good marketing tools in the run-up to the World Cup in 2026 because it, you know, it helped. Without a doubt, that's true, you know, and, and it does help, I think, to market leads um, on the other side of the water. It does help to, to expand leads' profile within America and to attract a bigger American audience. But I think when it comes to it, the key decision here is do they think they're good signings? Do they think they're, they're good footballers? And I have to say, if you look at the league table, it's quite obvious that Leeds do not have the luxury at the moment of saying, let's sign players for commercial reasons or you know, mm. reasons out with what's going on the pitch because they, they, you know, they need results. They need good players. McKinney, I think, is a really good signing for them and exactly what they should be doing. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. We, we look in a separate article about how he could fit into a three-man midfield, and, and this is something that Jesse March has been uh, emphasizing far more on the back of the World Cup than he had before the break uh, started in November. Do you, do you see this as a, a very natural uh, midfield trio, um, him joining Mark Rocha and then Tyler Adams as well? I, it feels like it could work, without a doubt. I mean, McKinney last night was talking about how box-to-box he likes to be, and Adams has a kind of box-to-box style, but I think in a slightly less dynamic way, if that makes sense. And I don't mean lower intensity, but I think what you'll get from McKinney is a bit more of an attacking thrust, um, whereas Adams is very, very good at sweeping up, at marshalling the midfield, at put, you know, pressing, counter-pressing, tackles, interceptions, all that stuff that, that lays a, a platform to play off. Mark Rocker is, you know, he's the player you should look to to, to pull the strings. Progressive passing scores really highly. That's what he likes to do. You know, he likes to get on the ball and spray it about. You know, long range passing, short range passing. In a way, again, that somebody like Adams doesn't. So I think if they get the balance right and the positioning right, I think that could definitely work with a three. Um, so you know, Marsh, as a rule, has been going four two three one. He can still do that with this. Um, whether that allows him to include all three, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, and I think he will want to. But on top of that, signing Ruta, you know, added to a really, really big crop of forwards means that he has the option of a front two, a front three. He can, you know, a front four in a, a four, two, three, one. There is actually now a lot of tactical versatility um, on offer with these players. And I think people will look to him to use that. You know, he, he is rigid in the way he likes to play. He does have a very, very defined style. And there's been a huge debate still is over here about how well it's worked and whether it's likely to work um, going forward. But I don't think in any way you could say that they don't have the players to be okay now. You know, I, I think this squad should be performing fairly well. If you're just looking at an 11 and you have to drop an attacker here, uh, most frequent quartet, obviously, recently certainly has been Jack Harrison, Brendan Aronson, Rodrigo, and then uh, Willie Nyanto. Who's the odd one out who becomes the, the first option off the bench um, if you're calling the shots here? It becomes incredibly difficult because you've got Patrick Bamford coming back from injury. Right. Um, he's had a long, long stretch where he hasn't been properly fit, um, but he looked extremely good in the cup game at Accrington on Saturday. He looked like he looked like actual Patrick Bamford, you know, like That's what you've been waiting to see for ages. And if he starts to score and play well, he puts a hell of a lot of pressure on players who are in the team. You know, it, 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 selection-wise, that becomes tricky. Ruta is record signing, you know, around about £30 million, £35 million, I would say. Um, do you leave him out? How do you leave him out? What you know? Right. What, what, you, what do you do there? Um, you have Luis Sinistera, who came in from Feyenoord, looks very good, has looked very good on his day. I think, again, another player who's tough to leave out. Sinistera's been injured for a while too, and I think this is the point, really, that you know, with um, Crescenzio Somerville coming back, he was a young winger who came in from Feyenoord, but has scored important goals this season. Has definitely, um, definitely got better again and put himself right in the picture. 
Um, I've done a piece for the the Athletic on the way the squads changed in the last eight months, and and one of the and it has you know pretty drastically. Yeah, and one of the things I noted in it was the fact that in a four two three one you could actually pick two different units of four up front. You have enough players where you could have a, a different three and a different one quite easily. Um, so that was the kind of tone of the piece I did after Accrington at the weekend was, what is Marsh's front three or front four? And actually, what's yours? You know, if you're looking at it, who do you pick? Um, and who, what is the best um, What is the best blend? And working that out is going to be actually quite a challenge. But it's a good position to be in because, quite honestly, Leeds have gone through quite a while prior to this point where the the anxiety has been about a lack of number nines, a lack of attacking options, and and it's you know it's been a handicap for them. So at that end of the field, they're in a much better shape. Is is there an expectation? Obviously, the the purchase option, um, one of the factors that would would incentivize that to be sprung would be avoiding relegation, right? Yes, and and I think that all year the the goal has been from preseason, reading your preseason coverage as well, um, was not to be in the relegation scrap to nearly the longevity yes. or the extent that they were in twenty one, twenty two, and yet here we are, ostensibly looking at them poss- possibly being in the same spot. Is there a, a, a changed expectation with all of this investment, with all of this you know increased debt? I mean, we're also looking at Diego Montero, who came in um, from Servette uh, today as we're recording this. Um, again, more of a future prospect, but all the same, still mm-hmm. more investment in both the present and the future of the roster. Um, has the expectation changed at all? Do you view this as a we need to feel confident that we will have Premier League standing secured yeah. by March, anything of the sort as a result? Absolutely. I, I mean, I was talking about this on the, the podcast, the weekly podcast I do about Leeds United, about the fact that if you look at Fulham at the moment, Fulham are beyond 30 points, have a really strong start to the season. Um, if you if you rely on the data and the metrics um, and the, the sort of XG comparison, the chances are that they've got a bit of a slump around the corner just to go by the numbers. You know, they're probably outperforming um, what, what they should be doing. But even if Fulham were to take, say, 10 points before the end of the season, finish on 41, 42 points, They'd be happy with the the season because they you know they've been they felt safe for so much of it. If Leeds finish the season on 41, 42 points, they'll be happy to stay up, but it will still feel like a year that's been pretty fraught. And I guess perception mm. and perspective is is quite big in this. One of the reasons why, from what we're told anyway, that the the transition of ownership from Radrazani to 49ers Enterprises hasn't happened yet is that there is still the lingering issue of relegation in the background, which is to say that. Leeds at the moment are valued at around about half a billion pounds. Um, if they were relegated, they'd be you know a, a much smaller fraction of that in the EFL. They just would not be worth that amount of money. So right. naturally, 49ers enterprises have to ask themselves, do we want to buy a club that might lose X amount of value in the next six months uh, without a caveat or without some contingency clause with Radrazani or whatever else? And the answer, realistically, is no, we don't. You know, they, they want to take on a Premier League club because that's what opens the door to stadium development and European football and, you know, growth of the club's size and, and financial cost and everything else. Um, so it is essential that they're not really a club leads who can yo-yo, as we call it in England, you know, bounce between the Championship and the Premier League. Now that they're here and been out of this division for 16 years, they need to, to stay in it. And on top of that, they do not have a fan base that would tolerate um yo-yoing either you know the fan base expect good things of them and rightly i think you know it's a, a historically big club leads um who have 
underperformed for, for a long, long time prior to, to get him promoted again. So, yes, I mean, it's it, they, they need to move forward. And Radrazani said it himself at the start of the season. There's no risk of relegation. That was his comment. He, he just said it was impossible. Um, he wants to see Leeds finish 10th to 14th. I think it's a reasonable ambition. Yeah, I think, I mean, speaking as a Bournemouth fan here, there are certainly clubs lower <laughs> lower on the table right now who look far less inspiring uh, at this point of the season, uh, Southampton included as well, of course. Um, Phil provided the meat and potatoes with a piece breaking down how this transfer came together, how this loan came together, and, and all the machinations in the back rooms and in the future that could bring Weston McKenney to Leeds on a permanent basis. I came in with a confectionery dessert of tactical analysis, data, why he is a good fit alongside Mark Rocca and Tyler Adams in the midfield, and how he does actually help despite being one of the least influential passers of the ball in the big five leagues of Europe. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. I know it's deadline day. We've got to get you back on the clock here. Leeds never is done this window, apparently. But uh, anything else that you would like to uh, bring up on McKenney or something else that might be in the works for you? No, it's, uh, they've, they've been looking today a little bit of centre-back cover. Um, they've let Diego Llorente go to Roma on loan. Um, that hadn't been announced last time I looked, but it, it will, it's very much on the cards and, and is, is going. But it, it might well be that um, we have a, a fairly quiet finish after an eventful window. The hope was certainly that for all the interest from Leicester City and Jack Harrison, that Jack Harrison would stay tonight. Well, sounds like a Tuesday to me then. All right. Well, (laughs) Phil, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening to The Athletic Soccer Show. Keep us on your feeds. Uh, We will be back with more probably recap of both this transfer window and then looking ahead to the domestic seasons of the NWSL and Major League Soccer and all other things going on in American soccer. Uh, Please make sure that you subscribe to The Athletic if you don't and uh, have a great day.